and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church and welcome to our online family. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge and I'm serving today with our music team. We are delighted to bring you this day dedicated to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Yes, it is Good Shepherd Sunday, a day dedicated every year to the images and ideas celebrated in the Gospel of John and specifically chapter 10. As you may know, the shepherd image appeared very early in Christian life and was one of the most common symbols for Christian community and safe places to gather. Over time, it evolved to symbolize Jesus himself. Interestingly, when I did an online search about it, my hometown newspaper ran a story this week announcing that today is the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, which makes sense. And one of the cable news networks posted the question, will the elections bring us a good shepherd or a wolf? And quite frankly, even asking that question in this context is what has brought us to such polarization and confusion in our country, confusion that our government has the power to give us spiritual deliverance. So I was pretty put off by that one, but I did like my hometown newspaper story. Yeah, so lots to meditate on this morning. Let's get to it then and settle ourselves into this moment wherever you are, near or far. Let us open ourselves to the Spirit who brings us to worship, the name of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Tide flowing from his wounded side, Alleluia. Praise we Christ, whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast. Christ the victim, Christ the priest, Alleluia. free, newborn souls in you to be. Alleluia. Father, who the crown shall give, Savior, by whose death we live, Spirit, guide through all our days, three in one, your name we praise. Alleluia. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God of peace, you brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. By his eternal covenant with us, make us complete in every good thing. Help us to do what you desire for us, to discern your will and follow after you. Work among us all that is well-pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. 
Amen. Right now, we're going to bring you another important Bible teaching from our friends at the Bible Project. And this one is on the biblical background of the phrase eternal life, which appears heavily in our scriptures, not just today, but throughout the Easter season. We use this word commonly through our liturgies throughout the whole year, but often have a limited understanding of its power. So I hope that this teaching, which is a rich explanation, can help us expand the meaning of the phrase eternal life for us, and we can begin to hear our stories with new depth and dimension. Thank you to this important project for giving us deep Bible understanding of these concepts. The first reading is from Acts chapter 9. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom 
and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more, and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 A reading from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, the first thing I want to take a look at today is the vocabulary of danger in the scripture verses we just heard. And from there, I'm going to take us through some reflection exercises, and I really encourage you to try them. Even if you pause this recording or go back and you listen again, I invite you to wrestle with these questions. This is a way of allowing the hearing of the Bible to become a living word as the verses filter through our own specific life experience. So let's begin with danger. There's a lot of it today in our readings, actually. Now, some of the dangers lurking within these stories and songs are obvious, right? Take Tabitha of the Book of Acts. The danger presents itself clearly as illness and eventually her death. In Revelation, again, the danger is mostly obvious. Revelation is the visionary dream of a deliverance from Roman oppression. We can imply the dangers of living in such a world as the underclass, slavery, exploitation, conscription to war, war itself, and maybe less obvious but potentially just as destructive, 
assimilation. This is why martyrdom is so central to the final chapters. Martyrs die resisting assimilation. We can imagine all the dangers that must have inspired the poetry of Revelation. And there's more beyond Revelation. The gospel points to the danger of being snatched from the hand of God. It's a pretty vivid picture of what it feels like to be stolen from your sense of belonging, stolen from your faith family, torn away from your faith. Jesus also refers to this process of perishing. And I refer to it as a process because in the original languages, perishing was a slow, lingering, drawn-out demise unto death, kind of like the opposite of snatching. Even Psalm 23, as I've pointed out to you many times when we read these famous words, even Psalm 23 is set in a stage of threat. The poet here describes walking through valleys under the shadow of death. The table that is spread is actually spread where? In the midst of my enemies. While we hold this psalm in a sentimental place in our heart, it's anything but when you start to look at what kind of place this is and the place that inspired such trust in God. Well, here's the reflection that I'm inviting us to do with this message. Take a few moments and consider for yourselves, what endangers my relationship with God and God's people? My sense of belonging to Christ, my sense of belonging to Christ's body. What strains my confidence and my trust in the Lord? Our readings give examples from the personal suffering of illnesses and inward struggle all the way to the more social threats. Maybe that could be empire and its implications. It could be enemy making. It could be the call of other voices that we sometimes confuse with God. And then that steals us away from our faith and belonging. This is one of the primary threats in the gospel where these verses appear. What happens when we let other voices besides the voice of God inform our identities, shape our desires and dreams, and seduce us into following other teachings, let alone other idols or false messiahs? So there's plenty for you to ruminate on as you hold this question, what endangers my faith and my sense of belonging? And the really tricky bit is to pay attention to the difference between being threatened or just being made uncomfortable or challenged, because those are two very different things. It's important to name these things because it's one thing for us to say that the biblical word is real and alive in the world. It's another to say that the word of God is real to me and to you, that it's alive to me and to you. And so name those threats and let the word be real for you. Naming is always important because it helps us become aware of what drives us. It gives us insight into our motivations. Most of the time we are unaware of them. Naming the threats around us, within us, it helps us map the world so what is chaotic and crazy making can then begin to find order from within and from without. Naming is a kind of taming process. So I invite you to do it now. Okay, now that you have done all that, presumably you can save it for later or you could have pause now that you've done all that. The next piece I want to consider is quite the opposite from danger, threat, and death. Now that we've given some reflective power to naming our fears around losing faith or losing relationship, I want us to pay attention in the scriptures to what actually saves life, sustains life, what resists death and all the forces that rebel against God in these passages. 
And again, from this language, I will take us to a reflection question for us to hold. The word that I think best communicates God's response to danger is abundance. And the best way I have of imagining abundance or abundant life in the language of the Bible is through looking at its opposite. When we are not living in abundance, then we are just subsisting. Subsistence living is highly stressful and can be, not always, but most of the time can be harmful to our emotional well-being. I remember offering my Ash Wednesday sermon weeks ago to you all, and I think I titled it, When We Want to Do More Than Just Survive. The opposite of abundance is that, right? It's surviving, but never getting to that sense of there being more than enough so that you do not have to worry about your tomorrows. And it's important to see in these passages, God meets the dangers, the threats, and the death in Christian life with abundance. That's the resistance, abundant life, the way to hold your own against everything that wants to snatch you away from God. This is the resistance that God leads through you. Think of it this way. In the gospel chapter before this one, God met a blind man from birth. This is John 9. This was just surviving. His life was beset by dangers. When Jesus heals him, life is still dangerous, especially now because he has come under scrutiny by authority. But he's not just alive now. Now he's faithful. He doesn't just empirically see the world around him either. He sees Jesus for who he is, and he is blessed with an experience of faith and worship even as he comes under trial. This is now abundant life rather than subsistence living. Another place we see this in the Bible as a perfect example, uh, the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings. Now listen, I don't expect anyone to know that story off the top of their heads. I had to go looking for it. It's a lesser known story in our tradition. But the long and short of it is this anonymous Shunammite woman who has been feeding the prophet Elisha, and that's Elisha with an S-H rather than a J-A-H. This prophet Elijah, every time he passes through their neighborhood, she gives him a meal. But eventually, what comes is abundance in the form of radical hospitality. Instead of just a meal, she offers him a home, a place to rest with furniture and comfortable bedding. And not only that, she expects him to return again and again to share her household with him when he's in town. She provides him stability. This is abundant life. It's not just food he needs. It's not just even shelter he needs, right? But it's it's this ongoing friendship. It's this sense of permanence. It's release from worry. So yes, radical hospitality is a way that abundant life shows itself in our world. The best example of this perhaps is Psalm 23. At the heart of this dangerous land of shadows with enemies is a table for the faithful. There is a meal. There is a cup overflowing. There is anointing, right? There's an altar with the fullness of life laid out for us. This is the resistance against death. Now here's the invitation. So hold this question. When in your life, I should say questions, sorry, there's a lot of them. When in your life has your meager survival been transformed into abundant life? Some of us have those stories. When did God or someone connected to God inspire your faith with radical hospitality. What is that like for you now? Are you in touch with that sense of overflowing abundance in your life? How might God use you to create that abundance for another? There is so much to reflect on here.
So I encourage you, pause here, dwell here, bring answers to these questions, describe yourself in relationship to abundance, see what comes forward. I'll close with a word from scholar Elizabeth Johnson, one that I found this week. She says with such power for us, the good shepherd tells us that everything depends on belonging to him. Never does our status before God depend on how we feel, on having the right experience, on being free of doubt, or on what we accomplish. It depends on one thing only, that we are known by the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Thanks be to God.
sure provisions of my God attend me all my days. Oh, may your house be my abode and all my work be praise. Here would I find a settled rest while others go and come no more a stranger or a guest but like a child at I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Today I'm going to share words that I share every year around this time. We are going to remember in prayer the spirit of Mother's Day. Mother's Day was rooted in a peace movement leading up to World War I a movement that believed mothers should not have to lose their children, their best treasure, and life's labors to armed conflict. You can be especially mindful of Ukraine and Russia this day. It was a social movement, a way of serving. And across history, when mothers have organized on behalf of children, they have been able to bring about great change. Liberian women ended their civil war for their lost sons. Palestinian and Israeli mothers formed grief circles to press for peace. In our own country, Mothers Against Drunk Driving changed our whole culture for our kids. We give you thanks, O oh God, for all these amazing communities that drew together for the purpose of safeguarding children. This is a day for honoring and celebrating our mothers and grandmothers, but is also a day to hear the call to serve the future. And so we pray for inspiration to lend our voices to the cause of peace and life and love for all of them. Amen. Gracious God, we begin our prayers today with words for those who suffer in motherhood. Let us pray for women like Tamara struggling with infertility or a miscarriage and longing for a child or the child they lost. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those like Rachel, counting the women among family and friends who year by year, month by month, get pregnant while they wait. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for mothers like Naomi, who have known the bitter sting of a child's death. And we pray for children like Joseph and Benjamin, for they had a mom who died. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray for those whose relationships with their moms were marked by trauma, abuse, or abandonment, or who couldn't parent the way that their children needed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the mothers of soldiers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those mothers watching a child battle substance abuse, a public legal situation, mental illness, or another situation of powerlessness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those whose children have turned away from their mothers, painfully closing the door on relationship, leaving broken hearts. And for those like Hagar, parenting alone. And for fathers who have found themselves as both mother and father to their children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those like Moses' mother, put a child up for adoption, trusting another family to love them into adulthood. And we pray for those like Pharaoh's daughter, called to love children who are not theirs by birth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for those like many, watching or who have watched mother's age and disappear into the long goodbye of dementia or Alzheimer's. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us too give thanks for the joys that we know in motherhood. We pray for those like Mary, pregnant for the first time and waiting breathlessly for the miracle of a child. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those like Eve who took pride in creating and raising her children. She was an artist among women. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those like the Canaanite women, anonymous, but who have demanded justice for their children. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who motherhood is their toughest struggle and their greatest joy, and we commend them into your loving hands, O God. Amen. Remember us in your kingdom, O God, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord of life, you walk this journey with us and through us. Lead us, Lord, lead on. Journeying within and wrestling with the world, lead us, Lord, lead on. Lead us to risk, to grow, and to tread the path that you have opened for us. Lead us, Lord. Lead on, and let us rejoice that every place is your place. In the name of Christ, the risen one, amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his. And he is mine forever, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, 
my ransomed soul he leadeth and where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial feedeth never failing ruler of my heart everlasting lover of my soul on the mountain high or in the valley low the king of love my shepherd is the king of love my shepherd is lost and foolish off i strayed but yet in love he sought me and on his shoulder gently laid and home rejoicing brought me in death's dark veil i fear no ill with thee dear lord beside me thy rod and staff my comfort still thy cross before to guide me never failing ruler of my heart everlasting lover of my soul on the mountain high or in the valley low the king of love my shepherd is the king of love my shepherd is oh, 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 hallelujah hallelujah Everlasting lover of my soul on the mountain high or in the valley low, the king of love, my shepherd is never failing, ruler of my heart, everlasting lover of my soul on the mountain high or in the valley low, the king of love, my shepherd is. The king of love, my shepherd is. And so through all the length of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever, within your house forever. Go in peace, share the good news, alleluia.